Whether you're new to pool and practicing the basics or a more experienced player performing drills to improve your shot making and positional play, the Drill Partner is perfect for you. Hey guys, welcome back to this episode of Dogging It. I'm really excited for this one, guys. I even got my hair cut for it. I don't know if you guys noticed. <laughs> Joey, why is it every time we go live, you get blurry? Well, you got better there, but you were blurry again. Yeah, we're well, fine. And then it's a little blurry. It's blurry. A little bit. All right, a little I'll bit. Right Not that that looks bad. Melina, take yeah. it over. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll send in the big start. guns. See, you know, he was I, he was getting ready to talk about how excited that music makes him when it starts every show. And, Look, I'm just you know, surprised he he's here, the... Mike. I'm not gonna. I'm just surprised <laughs> he's here. I didn't give him a reminder. All of a sudden, Mike's like, send links, send this, and that. Joey, are you bringing yourself in? If not, I'll bring you in. There he is. Am there I better? Is. Am I better? Looking I much better. You I don't go, know why that happens. It's so weird. Got we got to figure out a plan for that. You going to Fetter's Barber now or what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm hoping it'll make me play a ball better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I'm really excited for this one. When Melina was telling me that uh, you were working on this, Pinozo, I was like, hey, this, this would be great to have this guy on. Uh, obviously, incredible young talent. Uh, what a performance over the weekend. Came up yeah. a little short, but... You know, just a great match. I'm excited. Do you want to bring him in, Molina, or you want to banter a little? No, no, no. You've already uh, you've you've yeah. done you've already laid down okay. the groundwork, man. Your world famous introductions here. Let's bring on. Uh, <laughs> he's. Are are you with us, Maritz? Can you hear us? Hello, hello. My connection is a bit bad. I hope you can uh, get me. I don't know what happened to the Wi-Fi again, but. No, no, you're good. Uh, we're good. You're good. All right, all right. You're good. Yeah. You got the best nice background be out of any any guest that we've ever had, by the way. It looks beautiful back <laughs> Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing here. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, you're I'm in New York? Yes, I'm in New York. I'm staying with uh, two pool players, Pius Labudis and Frank Candela, uh, at John Francisco's house. So, yeah, we are all rooming. And you've stayed there a number of times, correct, when you've come to the States? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right a couple times and uh, yeah we are very good friends now so good it's always good right. to stay here yeah yeah i'm sure that makes a trip like this you know it's a long trip for you so i'm sure it makes a trip like this a little more comfortable not being in a hotel every night things like that right oh yeah for sure and we have a lot of fun so uh it's like i saved some money that's a good point too <laughs> it's always and, good uh, we have we have a lot of fun so it's uh yeah it's a very good opportunity for me to stay here and yeah. uh yeah i'm very glad he yeah allows me to stay with him nice. so maritz after this weekend we were talking about you guys on or talking about you on one of the shows that we did and we were asking how old you were and it was a debate some people were saying 19 20 about to be 20. how old are you 19 um and i'll turn 20 in november 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 yeah. well he didn't say 19 and a half so we can tell you're getting a little older <laughs> 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 Once right. you stop using the half years, then you know you, you've grown up a little bit. So you're 19. Yeah. You you won the World Juniors under 17, right? And then you won the World Juniors under 19, correct? Yes, correct. So two World Junior titles, which is you know it shows how how you progressed along the way, right? Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> and then there was there was there was one year that I couldn't play just because of COVID. So I would have had one more World Championships, 
yeah at the juniors but i couldn't play because of covid so yeah yeah, yeah. but i'm still glad i won you know uh, i don't want to complain no no you have to be lucky to win any tournament so winning two out of two is uh yeah i don't want to complain at any yeah. point good so Maritz, obviously we're going to talk about this weekend, but before we do, um, how did you even get started playing pool? What age? And take us through that whole progression. So I think I was eight or about to turn nine. I think I was eight. Uh, and I always watched snooker in uh, German TV. And then one day my mom came up to me and asked me if I wanted to try to play myself because I was a big fan. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then uh, we went to the next pool hall. I played some, and uh, I guess I never quit. <laughs> How long did you play snooker before you switched to pool, and what made you switch to pool? I started to play both at the same time. So I started to play pool and snooker when I was eight, and then I had to choose when I was, I think I was like maybe 10 or 11, because I was getting too busy. I was uh, traveling twice a week to play snooker, then twice a week to play pool, and then all the weekends were busy. So my mom was like, I have to decide if I want to play pool or snooker because it's getting just too much. And uh, I chose pool. Why? Yeah. I guess I just like pool better. I don't I don't know why, but I don't know. I I had to choose, then I chose one. I think. Uh, <laughs> come on. Was, hey, yeah. come on. Go ahead. Piss off the whole snooker community. Yeah. And Tell everybody why you chose pool. Why was pool a better game? No, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like at that point in time, I wanted to play pool. And uh, yeah, but I still love snooker. I still play snooker sometimes. And uh, I think I would have liked to play snooker on a good level too. But it's just tough to play pool and snooker at the same time. So, yeah. How often do you got to check in with mom while you're on the road in another country now that you're going to be gone for a couple of months? Uh, at least once a week, but we text almost every day. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like she does know where I am. She does know what I'm doing. <laughs> Hopefully, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. that's how it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. Give me give me, give me, me the story where you got in trouble and, and she had to chew you out while you were on the road. Oh, that happened a bunch of times. I mean, <laughs> even even, uh, even now, uh, sometimes I'm, I get calls from Germany and then I have to send my mom the number uh, and she calls them just because I can't call them or I don't want to call them because each minute is like, I don't know, five euros. Yeah. So I don't want to spend like, I don't know, $60 or euros or whatever just because someone called me. So uh, that's like a basic story. And I don't know, a bunch of times she had to send some queue that i sold because i was traveling and uh i don't know she has to go to my apartment and check in on something because i'm busy so yeah she does a lot for me even though i'm on the road yeah she's uh, still all right tell her tell her thank you corner. and that you love her it's important you got to give a shout yeah, out to thank mom. You, mom i love you i, th I love yeah. you mom thank you there you go there you go it's important all right now that that's out of the way let's talk some pool man first of all how long are you here in the states so i've been here for oh I don't know, like two and a half weeks now, and I'm going to stay until after the U.S. Open, October mm -hmm. 2nd. Then I'm going to Vietnam, playing the Perry Open and the Asian Open, and then I'm going back home. Let me let me ask you one of the obvious. Um, what was the decision to play the Asian in Vietnam versus going and playing in Qatar? I didn't have a spot in Qatar, so okay. I didn't have to choose. Perfect. 
Perfect. Okay. And yeah. then while you're here, uh, you're in New York, so obviously you're not playing in the Pro Beard Series, but I'd imagine you're going to be playing in Jason's event coming up? Yeah, yeah. I chose to play Jason's event because it's Metron points, first of all. And second of all, it's just easier for travel. So yeah, more convenient. Now it's like, yeah, exactly. It's like 90 minutes by car now. And I think Michigan would be 12 hours by car. We did that last year. That's I don't want to do it again. And, uh, <laughs> That's where I met you at. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I didn't you... really. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I'd rather you know see some new pool halls than go into Michigan because there was nothing much to do except of play pool. Uh, and I don't know. I, I played enough pool the past week, so I'd rather go to a new pool hall and meet some new people than spending time somewhere where I don't want to be. Yeah, of course. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just going to say, hey, guys, we're here with Maritz Neuhausen. Uh, hit up the chat. If you guys have questions, we can see the chat. And do us a favor, hit the share, the like, you know, get it out there to more people. This is a great young player here, and we're excited to get to know him a little better. So, Maritz, this weekend uh, at the Rax event, uh, you cruised through the winner's bracket of that event. And... Um, you know, won the hot seat. Uh, take us through the early stages of that event, kind of what was going on and your comfort level and, and why you think you were successful. So I think it was quite comfortable on the tables, first of all, because uh, the week before they had a tournament. I think it was a tempo tournament, so I was able to get some practice on the tables. So that was a good thing too. Um, and then it was a four-day tournament, so the first two days or even three days. No, I think the first two days I only had to play two matches. Then the third day I only had to play one match. So the schedule was quite easy for me. It's not, I didn't have to play like six matches in a row or something. So I got my rest. Um, and I don't even know how I won against Federer, for example, because I don't know, I got lucky once that he scratched on the break. Um, but I guess I just played good and my opponents, to be fair, I know that Kazakis didn't play the way he usually plays. Uh, he missed, I think, twice or something, which was like unexpected. I, of course, I took it, but I don't know. I uh, I think I got a little lucky maybe that my opponents didn't really play their level. Maybe the same goes for Fedor. He made a couple of mistakes that I didn't expect. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just interested in hearing what you know how how the tournament went for him. I mean, that was a big win to, to beat Feder on the hill. Um, you know that that's a good notch. And, and you're, you know, you've played enough. You've played a lot of these players and often enough uh, to where you're comfortable. But is it still uh, meaningful for you to beat some of these guys later in an event? You know, is it a stepping stone for you? Just give you more confidence the the more often you get deeper into tournaments of course it is i think the first tournament where i ever beat like a bunch of good players in a row was in scotland the scottish open before the uk open and that was the first time i realized okay now i can beat players that are probably still better than me uh like two or three in a row so that's like a milestone and this tournament proved it again so uh it definitely helps me to realize where i stand now that i can beat a bunch of players in a row, usually it was I beat maybe one or even two in a tournament, but then I lost to some better player. But this time yeah. I feel like I should have even won the tournament and I just uh, dogged it twice. That's why 
uh, <laughs> well, that's yeah, a whole you know, other it, conversation it we're going to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> it definitely helps to realize where I stand, what do I have to work on? And uh, it definitely gives a confidence boost. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. How do you how do you use that to kind of fuel your training and your, you know, hitting that next gear to kind of get over that hump? Um, I kind of just try to analyze the matches. And uh, I think in all of the matches, or even the week before, uh, I can see a pattern. I always, you know, uh, I go into a lead, at least in yeah. most matches, I lead like 10-4 or 8-1. And then all of a sudden, something changes. And I know why and I know what, but, you know, that's something I have to work on. And that's, that's something I can take home and, you know, improve. So obviously the final, it was a missed opportunity there. You had a big lead. Uh, do you feel like, it, looking back on it, do you feel like you kind of maybe had that feeling like, hey, this is, I got this. I'm in control here and kind of let your guard down a little bit and let him back into the match? Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I really thought about it. I was like, I know I can win this. That's for sure because I did play pretty well until 10-4. Uh, but I think I just ran out of energy. I didn't eat too much the whole day, and that's my mistake. It's not an excuse. I should have eaten more than I tried to. I think the score was like 10-7 or something. I tried to compensate my uh, loss of energy with a Coke, which kind of helped, but it's like it's not the same. And then it's maybe like... I got frustrated at some point because I, I missed like five, six, seven times even before I missed the eight or nine. And uh, then it's like tough to come back. And I still got lucky that I made the kick on the eight to play for the nine. Uh, but I just, I wasn't able to pull it off. But at least, you know, I told myself when I told everybody that asked me how I feel about loss, this time I just missed. You know, I can work with that. It's okay, everybody misses and I just missed. And I, I'd rather take this kind of loss than losing in an unlucky way, because I feel like the past couple months, the way I lost the matches, it was rather unlucky than just playing bad. But this time I just played worse and it's fine. You know, I can take that. I can work with it. And uh, I think I will grow with that loss. And uh, I think it's a good thing that it happened. I'd rather happen it this weekend than at the US Open, for example. Take us to the through the moments. I, I'm always curious of this because you know I play. I'm an amateur, but I I play pool as well, and I know what I do after I lose an opportunity like that. So I'm curious what happened once you got back to your room or once you were by yourself. You know, did you did you beat yourself up a little bit? Did you, you know, throw your cues against the wall? What'd you do? No, those times uh, behind me, I had. When I was 14, 15, I couldn't lose at all. I, I tried to beat myself up. Now I just, as I said, now I can work with it. I know I just lost because I missed. That's okay. I'm, I'm a human too. We all are human. And uh, it's okay. The only problem I have now is sometimes I wake up at night and I have to think about the eight and nine and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to fall back asleep. Um, but well, uh... no, I, I'm good. I lost too many times to still be upset about those losses. Of course, I'm upset. Don't get me wrong, but it's not that I get mad or aggressive. Yeah. That's not not anymore. 
but yeah, well, that's that's pretty good attitude. Pretty good attitude to have, you know, when you're 19 that you've already been through the cue throwing phase and the you know pouting phase, and you're already into this acceptance and move on. And uh, yeah, I'm sure the next the next match you beat someone good, you'll forget all about that eight and nine. They'll, they'll never wake you up again. Uh, so it's you know yeah. that's 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 great maturity. Um, you know, where does that come from? Have you, have you always been more level-headed or do you just, have you just grown up faster? Uh, so I, I haven't been level-headed. I think, <laughs> I didn't think time, so. Honestly, no, no, honestly. <laughs> so there were times where I literally went outside and tried to beat myself up. I was trying to punch myself. Of course, it doesn't work. I <laughs> told myself no, but, um. I think it's just a learning process and yeah. I always try to spend my time with older people. And, uh, so that's why I have many friends that are like 40, 50, even John now, like, I think he's, uh, 50, 51. And I love it. I just like to spend my time with older people because they know more about life. Um, and maybe that helped me to grow up faster than maybe other people. And then, uh, I guess if you want to play good for a long time, you have to learn how to deal with losses. And even the past in the past six months, I learned a lot about myself and how to handle losses. Maybe six months ago, I would have smashed my cues and <laughs> ran out crying. You never know. But uh, now I was able to, to work on that. And yeah, I guess I just have a different mindset now. That's great. There's a lot of positivity to take out of those events as well, because now you're showing form, you're showing consistency. You know, you're getting deep in events with the world's best players, you know, and you're obviously showing, even though you kind of coughed up a couple of leads in these last two events, that you're able to, you know, get on these guys who are, you know, top tier, a number one type players. But you also are seeing how much of a killers that they really are because they'll, they'll come back and they'll finish you. If you don't finish them, you know, what are some things that you're taking away from watching these guys like the Carlos and the Lee vans and, you know, just how they're able to kind of dig deep, even when they're in a hole. It's inspiring. I'd say because maybe like in the, maybe one year ago, I was really like maybe giving up at some point I was surrendering. Now I think that changed, but it's always good to see people really play their heart out and come back from 8-1, 10-4, race to 13. So that's that's definitely a good thing to see. But I definitely take home that I should have won, not because I just missed, but I think it's, it's like in the beginning of all those sets, I played different pool than in the end of the sets. And uh, I guess I just have to stay calm and stay um, just by myself. And that's, I think, why I lost all of those matches because I usually you, you, you don't lose if you're up by like seven games, eight games, that's not, that's not the usual case. And even in the match with Carlo, you could see when it was like 9-4, 10-4, he wasn't really playing well. And he knew that he could only win from now just because I make mistakes because he missed, I think he even scratched once with ball in hand, or maybe that was the set before. I don't really remember, but he didn't play yeah. his level and uh, I had to help him. And that's something positive I take away from it because I know if I keep on playing the same way, the whole set, I will win. And that's for sure. 
You don't think shaving the mustache played a big factor in the lawsuit? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how many people texted me and were like, oh, yeah, you look like a different guy. But uh, no, 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 no. Well, maybe it did. We never know. Well, you know, it kind of reminded Sports me. Sports players are superstitious. A, you know? I had an old AccuStats video, and I forget. I think it was Miserac played Ralph Suquet, and Ralph Suquet beat him and had a mustache, like way back, way back. And so when I saw your mustache, I thought of Ralph in that video. <laughs> and I was like, that's actually really cool for somebody 19 to wear that style. It was, it was kind of. The, the funny thing is. I didn't even try to wear just a mustache. I just, I think it was like, I let it go for a couple of days because I didn't want to shave it off again. And uh, in that photo, it looks like I just have a mustache. And that's like, it's funny. <laughs> he was it all grow out. Just the mustache was the only thing that, that grew in. That's sure, really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting. So you, you've signed with Q-Tech and, you know, you, you're using their equipment now. I don't think it's been too long, maybe within this year. Uh, that you sign with them, but looking at the way you were jumping the balls and making jump shots, we talked about it the other day and drawing back four feet and doing crazy stuff. Uh, talk about the equipment and how that's working out for you. So I, I switched the QTIG equipment, I think it was maybe in January, February. I think it was January. And um, yeah, since then, I mean, my results uh, tell a good story. I've been playing way better with my equipment, with the Q-Tech stuff. I feel way more comfortable. And uh, yeah, the jump cue is amazing, obviously. But what's uh, fascinating is that even the break cue is a very good jump cue. Uh, I probably made like five or six jumps in the whole tournament just with the break cue because it's, uh, it's just so good. And uh, it gives you a confidence boost too if you know that you can jump balls that are just you know maybe there's a gap of one ball in between the balls and you still jump the ball and you have a good chance of making it you can draw the balls you can do whatever and uh, that definitely helps because honestly in that tournament I felt like even if it was a safety and I had to jump I felt like I have an advantage even though it wasn't the case most of the times but sometimes it worked out pretty well and that's just a good thing mentally to feel like you have an advantage even though you're just in a safety yeah. What are the details my... on the shaft that you're using? It's the 11.8. Synergy 11.8 default tip. Didn't change it. Just okay. as it comes off the shelf. Got it. Thanks. Go ahead, Pinozo. Oh, no, that's right. Um, I thought it was interesting when Joey mentioned Ralph because, you know, I think of the German pool players, you know, Oliver and then Ralph, Torsten, you know, now Josh and yourself. Um, it's quite a, you know, a factory there. And uh, tell us a little bit about your growing up through that system. I know I saw some, you know, I remember with the, you winning the junior world championships, I think uh, the national coach is Gunther Geisen, right? And yes. do you work with them a lot? Have you, you know, what coaches have you worked with coming up and, and how is it that these German players keep developing such strong, you know, um, solid players? So I had, I would say probably four coaches in total. The first guy just told me to how to hold my cue and the basic stance when I was like eight and nine, just starting out. Yeah. Then when I turned 12, uh, 
12, I think, 11, 12, maybe, I switched to another guy. His name is Jürgen Wolf. Um, and he was my coach for a couple of years. And then at the same time, I started working with Günther Geisen, the guy you just mentioned, and Christian Reimering. So those are like uh, the two national coaches of the youth team. I think Günther now is the coach of the whole German national team. And Christian is doing just the youth right. work. And I think one of the reasons why we have so good or so many good youth players and young players is, first of all, the coaches are amazing. Christian and uh, Günther are doing a great job. And second of all, now that we have a couple of good players, they have someone to look up to. And we have many good players in Germany that nobody knows. At least you don't know them. And we always have good competition. Even in the German tournaments, we have probably like 10 people that have a 650 Fargo. And it's like a normal, just a weekly tournament. So just the competition is very good. And uh, we don't have a um a handicap system so the people in the us here they always have a handicap system and they don't have to become better to win and that's maybe one difference to the european countries we don't have a handicap system anywhere that's why i was a little bit surprised when i came to the us that everybody wants a handicap and i was like let's just play that's the way you get better <laughs> and they were like no 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 no, no. we need a spot we need a spot so that's probably one of the reasons too because we learn how to play better players and we have to raise our level in order to compete. Yeah, sink or swim. Yeah, I think there's been this notion in the United States that the more amateurs that we get playing pool, the better for pool in general, right? The better for the companies, the better for the game. And so that handicap system has been important to generate interest among people who might not normally play pool. I met my wife because I she played on my APA team and she was a two. She didn't play hardly any pool, but then she got interested in pool and occasionally she'll kind of tune in and things like that. So, um, but I guess that is a, a big factor, right? Because here, you know, there's not the incentive to strive to be the best, uh, at least nowadays in this day and age. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Kind of. And th the problem is, some people see money as a motivation and right now it's way too easy to earn money here just playing not as good as you could play right let's put it like that so many people play and they get a handicap and they win and they still think they're good players which they actually they aren't as good as they think and that's one problem that many players have too is that they don't really see how good they are and they just see oh those are the pros. I don't want to compare myself to the pros, but that's the mistake. You should tell yourself, where do I want to go and how do the best players play? And what do they do? Because otherwise you can't become a good player. You can't even become better at all if you don't tell yourself, I want to improve. Um, and that's what the handicap system does. The people don't want to improve because they're like, oh, yeah, I'm an IPA, I don't know, five. So I get a handicap from better players and I'm 50-50 to win. And that's enough. And that's like in Europe, if we are handicapped, if we had the handicap system, we'd have the same problem because the people just want to win. They don't want to become better then. Yeah, right. And in, yeah, in Europe, in order to win, you have to become better. And that's the difference. 
we have to clip that out, make a reel of it, and pin it to the top of our pages. <laughs> because that to me is that, I mean, it's so interesting at 19 years old, you have an understanding of that. And so many people, I think, kind of struggle to see that and why the United States might be falling behind, even though we have such a larger population and so many more potential pool athletes out there, you know, we, we're struggling. But. Yeah. We got it, Mike. No, I'm, I'm good. Go ahead. All right. Now enough with all this handicap talk. I want to talk about that eight ball. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> walk, walk me through it, Moritz, because I'm watching the stream and then I saw you get on the inside of it and I thought to myself, it's a little funny. It's yeah. a little funny. You know, he's gotta he's gonna have to pinch it back and then come off the side rail and then come back to get shape or you know, oh no, actually the eight ball, the nine ball was gonna play in the side, wasn't it not? That's yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, so walk walk me through it, Moritz. Walk me through what happened there. Was it more nerves or just? I think I just had a big a big brain fart. That's that's uh, looking back at it. There are like a couple of things I should have or could have done differently. First of all, I could have just rolled in the six. I just played a combo. It was like straight in, but then I was like, no, 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 like no pro player would ever go for a combo if they don't have to. So I was like, no, 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 let me play position. Well, that part's kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> that That's true. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, I know what I have to do. Okay. So then I think to myself, just play center, center table, you'll be good. I'm like, okay. Then I thought, but you don't want to land short. If you land short, you might have to run into the nine and then some funny things might happen. So I was like, if I had to choose, I'd rather play long than short. Okay. Yeah. You got then, what you wished. <laughs> I got what I wished. And then, uh, I don't know. Those kind of balls, I don't know why, but shooting to the right side, if you know what right. I mean. So if right. I have to hit the ball on the left side, I don't like it. I don't know why. It's like if I had to choose, I'd rather hit it on the right side than on the left side. And uh, at yeah. this time, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just, sometimes you just missed. And in that case, I, I just missed. I just yeah. missed. I, there's not much more to it. I don't, there was some pressure, but honestly, I think the pressure was way higher in all the matches before. I was just trying to enjoy myself. And uh, I just talked it. That's it. Yeah. Did yeah. you, um, do you kind of have that mental, you know, uh, train going on when you're playing, let's say like, a you know, race to nine through one through six, are you still processing like that or is it just like even more you know uh full steam ahead because it's you know this is your chance to win Mm. i thought i think like the whole match i think in the end i just lost because i had so many upsets in the earlier racks because i i knew i had to get out like at least Let's say I made seven mistakes and five of those were like extremely unnecessary and two of those were like still unnecessary. Yeah. So I I think it was just I got exhausted in mind because the racks before I was like, yeah, that's my rack. And then I fuck it up. And it was. I don't know. And it was. You, it, you put yeah, it, it away. And yeah. I, Except for yeah, that one I, where you got on the seven ball and then you shit in the nine ball by coming with the inside, which, which by the way, was a great shit shot. In. What, you know? that, that was an yeah. incredible shot. What are you talking yeah. about? 
Well, he got lucky coming up the seven ball the way that he did. I mean, he hit it just absolutely perfect. That's a one in a million shot. I mean, yeah, but it but wasn't a lock fair. like he. You tried to to play that exactly how it played out, correct? Yeah, and to be fair, making that six ball and ending up at that point with that was real ball, lucky. Yeah, give me give me like a hundred tries for money, and I'll, <laughs> I'll never do it. So you know, that's but, a fair argument. That is an absolute fair. I, argument. I was talking about that shot, and I said, man, when I saw you lining that shot up, and I'm like, he's gonna shoot this. He's gonna thin that ball with left hand spin and come down and make the the nine i'm like i couldn't get my phone to work quick enough to screen record <laughs> i wanted to screen record that because imagine that like that would have that would have been great i mean obviously upstate al has it but you know i would have had it <laughs> yeah yeah but honestly i think even in the rack i that's what i mean when i say uh i i didn't play the way i'm supposed to play even trying yeah. to go for the six is the wrong shot i i knew it i knew you can't go for the six i make it maybe like one out of 20 I make that six ball and then going for the nine again is like one out of 20. But yeah, with to be fair, with the nine ball, I had no other choice. No matter what I do, he's just going to shit in the nine. There was no, there was yeah. nothing I could do to prevent that because I know yeah. he's like, especially with the Filipino players, they're so good at caroms, at kicks, at bangs. So I didn't want to leave him anything near the nine. So I was like, let me just hit it hard and hope. And well, it went in. Shoot or shoot. You know, and and you have to yeah. you have to put away, you know, top level players. Like I said earlier, they're gonna or they're gonna put you away. You know, t talk to me about that nine ball though, Moritz, because that was another opportunity that kind of got away from yeah. me. I know it was yeah. long. I know it was like a bit of a roller, but you know what was going through upstairs. I just tried to make it, and honestly, I didn't want to. I don't know what. I don't know if I just tried to. Uh, I tried to roll it in and somehow it, to me, it looked like the contact on the night, it was no skit, but I feel like there was, I hit it so full that I almost went like I hit it straight in the face, but I don't know. I felt like I made it, but I didn't. Yeah. yeah. I thought, I thought you made it when it first came up. Yeah. Hit it really Honest to God. I thought, I thought he made it. <clears throat> no, listen, there's, you're, you're, you're in the best spot as you can be. You know, that's the positive take away from it. And these guys are absolute monsters. And by the way, you're 19 years old. You ain't supposed to be in those spots right now, you know? <laughs> so, so like there's, there's a ton of, there's a ton of, uh, I wouldn't even call it upside at this point because now you're maybe just living up to what your potential has always been, you know? And there's not a lot of guys with that kind of ceiling. And now you're showing consistency with that ceiling it's pretty remarkable man there's there's a lot of like positive things to take away over the last few weeks and like you said better to do it now than to do it at the u.s open so i want to hit on something that you said maritz when you were talking about the filipinos and the way they kick and carom and so there's a debate in pool there's a lot of debates in pool but one of those debates is do you play the table or do you play the opponent and so how much of that factors into your mind in terms of your shot selection or the way that you play considering your opponents and their abilities and their skills. I'm just curious, do you factor that in at all? Um, I always say play the table always, because I don't think you should take into consideration who your opponent is. Of course, there's some situations where you might choose one shot over the other, but that's, I could only think of maybe Fedor because you don't want to leave him a jump and, if you could choose to maybe go for 
a difficult shot, but if you make it, you run out rather than leaving him an easy jump. Maybe that's one of the few occasions I would say, okay, play the opponent. But the only thing that I could imagine that changes if depending on your opponent is what you expect coming back from the ta- uh, coming back to the table. So when I was playing Carlo I and like I played that. the safety, I was like, I can't expect to get ball on hand. I can't even expect to have an open shot. I can't expect to see the ball. Okay, if he has to go three rails, he might have to be lucky to get me in a resave. So that's the only thing that changes from opponent to opponent. You have to, or you, you could adapt to what you expect that's going to happen. So let's say you're playing Joshua Filler and he's having a tough shot. You shouldn't expect to come back to the table anyways. So that's <laughs> right. that's that's the only thing that changes. You, you would know. Prepared. Yeah, I, I played a yeah. couple. Of, he broke around like 13 on me twice. So yeah, I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's um, funny. That is so funny. So, um, in the in the yes. early stages of that match, there were um, it seemed like a real defensive struggle, and uh, I was surprised at how you came out on top of that in so many scenarios where you're playing safes and he's playing safes back, and it, it would it just naturally you would think that the more experienced older player you know, who's been playing for a long time would come out on top, but it seemed like you came out on top, took control of the match and got off to a big lead there. Were you surprised uh, at that? And how much do you work on your defense and your kicking and, you know, that type of play? I mean, I don't want to sound cocky now, but I wasn't really surprised because that's what I did the past six months. And that's what I, I think that what's my, that's my biggest improvement. I really worked on the safeties. I really worked on the defense game because I know, that everybody can just run out. That's not what makes you a better player than others. But I knew I had to work on the safeties, and I did. And, of course, I wasn't expecting to win every single safety duel in the first 14 racks. But I was expecting to at least keep up or maybe even, you know, get him uncomfortable because that's that's my goal. I want to make him miss shots that he usually wouldn't miss. And uh, I feel like I, of course, on that day I played better than I think I do on a regular basis. So my defense game isn't consistently on that level yet, but I still think uh, I did improve on uh, on the defense. You, so, you, uh, you, yeah. you did. That, that was one thing that stood out to me watching that Lucas match and then watching that match with Carlos. It wasn't just like your safety play. You know, safety is going to get you to the shot and then you got the ability to run out once you get to the shot. It was the jumping, it was the jump safes, it was the two real kick safes. It was, I mean, just really next level stuff that gets you from here to there. And that's what you got to do to separate yourself from those guys. And it absolutely shows because that was one thing that really stood out to me watching you play over this past weekend. I didn't get to see the Levan tournament, but um, this weekend, those are things that absolutely stuck out to me, you know? That that jump, I remember there was there was one like just jump stick where it just just stayed. I mean, just stopped the ball yeah, right yeah, yeah. there and completely put him in jail. Just absolutely phenomenal. What do you got, Mike? Yeah. No, I just think you know it's it's impressive to me um, his mental attitude and his uh, philosophical looks at the game and the opponent and things like that. Um, you know, for for such a young age to to think like a really experienced player. Um, 
did you have like mental training as well, you know, when you work with the German team and things like that, or is this, or, or is this type of, you know, something that you've worked on just on your, on your own? I, I didn't, I never got any like mental coaching lessons, like official lessons, but, uh, there are a couple of things that I tried to work on myself. Then, uh, I always had like good players around me. So Joshua, maybe then Ralph Thorsten, if I had a question, I could ask them. And then, uh, I think, especially when I was like 14, 15, the guy, Jürgen Wolf, uh, he was like really trying to get me to a certain attitude. I, he was trying to get me, uh, to a point where I was willing to learn about the mental side, because that was my biggest weakness when I was young. That's why. I couldn't really play against other youth players. That's what it was because I, I didn't like to play them. And that was one thing he worked on with me. He told me that I should start to work on the mental side. He told me how to do it and maybe what kind of things I can work on. And uh, over the past, I don't know, two or three years, there's always a consistent uh, improvement. You always have to work on that because it gets more and more difficult the better you can play, the higher your expectations are. And then still keeping up to those expectations is, uh, is tough, especially if you, if you don't work on your mental side, because that's, that's where all the magic happens, I would say. Yeah. What, what's your goal leading into Jason's event in, in the U.S. Open? Honestly, I just want to play the right way. I don't care if I win or lose, really, because... That's what I meant earlier when I said I should have continued to play the same way because the past two weeks I had like many big leads because I was playing the right pool. And then uh, I switched because I, I wasn't patient enough. But that's the lesson I learned. I mean, I don't really care about the five or I don't know how, my, how much I missed out on now. I think it was like four, eight or five K, but it's like, the lesson I learned is worth way more money than the five grand. I don't care about that. I just want to uh, improve. And that's what I learned from the past two weeks. I just have to stay patient. I have to stay calm, stay with my game. And then as I've shown, I can, I can just run over my opponents. So you also learned the fact that you can beat a number of strong opponents in a row which is what it's going to take to win the U.S. Open. Can you win the U.S. Open? Yes, I can. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. It's, you always have to be lucky. And that's, that's what I could really feel in the tournament this weekend and even past weekend. Some of the things that happened were like, I was surprised because it's not even that I got lucky necessarily, but my opponents maybe had a bad role or they missed shots where I was like, okay, I'll take it. But, you know, and that's... That always has to happen in order to win. So I have no expectations. I just want to play the way I'm supposed to play. And that's and the results are following. That's for sure. So you played pool all weekend. I think you were out late last night playing pool. You're going to be playing pool this weekend. What do you do when you're not playing pool? What is yeah, where is that? What's for, that fun part that you were yeah, talking what about? Is where it's, <laughs> yeah. Are you going to a Broadway show? What are you going to do for fun? What, what do you enjoy outside of pool? So today, as soon as we are done, we're going to go to Manhattan and nice. just, I don't know, hang out, just get some sun in the Central Park. Slice of pizza? Of course. We're going to go to a <laughs> nice uh, 
proper Italian pizza place that our Italian friend Frank uh, Candela. He knows good pizza, so uh, he's gonna bring us to a good place. And then um, I don't know. When I'm in the U.S., honestly, that's why I come here just to play pool. So I don't expect to do anything fun here. To me, it's I have to do some work here. It's a business trip. And then trip. the fun part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when I come when I come home, I'll spend some time with my family. Don't play pool for a week, and uh, I don't know then. I love pool, so it's fun to me. Yeah, of course. You're 19. Uh, are you getting uh, Are you getting recognized more that you're going to pool rooms after seeing your recent success? Uh, yeah, I'd say especially after the World Cup. Now people yeah. come up to me and yeah. ask me for a signature. Um, but I mean, so far it's not it's not too much, and I like it. I don't like. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like any different person. I don't feel like I'm someone special, so I don't even know why people come up to me and ask me for a signature. <laughs> but it's 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 nice, you know. It's uh it's definitely it's uh cool to see that people like me, that I have some fans, and uh, it just makes it more fun to play, I guess. Well, you'll it's get more you'll get more fans in a hurry, uh, yeah. you know, because you're a good player and you're you're a nice person. You're respectful of the game, respectful of your opponents. Um, which is all good things. And and you can see the doors, you know, starting to open for you. You can see the world, you know, with the World Cup of Pool and with more of these, you know, matchroom invitational events. I think you can look forward to, to being in a lot more uh, of these big events. And that's that's the gravy. That's what you work for, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Maybe if I win the US Open, US Open, you can see me at the Moscone Cup, but <laughs> you know. How, how you big a dream know. is that for you, knowing how difficult it is to make Team Europe? Uh, it's a huge dream. It's probably the biggest dream, and uh, just playing with all the pros, it, it just—it's fascinating to me that some players are at the Moscone Cup every single year. Um, I have huge respect for them, and uh, at some point, I want to play against Team USA and with the Europeans and uh, yeah, just, I don't know, enjoy the atmosphere, I guess. Yeah. Of course. Take it easy on us. Okay. All right. All right. I guarantee you, you got their respect now. If you didn't before a hundred percent, you got their respect. Now you're not, you're, you're a, a name on the tournament bracket that people are looking at, you know, and people are following. You got three fans at least sitting right here, you know, who, who got a lot of respect you for you because of, of your game uh, and and the way that you carry yourself too, Moritz. You know, and over it, over a hundred over a hundred watching right now live, and I'm sure this will get up to like over a thousand views of people who I think are going to be really impressed by just the way you see the game. Uh, a lot more mature than your age in terms of how you view it, and so uh, I know I wish you the best of luck. Uh, I love that you answered the U.S. Open question like yes, I can win it. <laughs> So get out there and uh, do your best, man, and we'll be we'll be cheering for you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Hopefully, it's not the last time, and uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Oh no, wait! When you see me at the U.S. Open, and Mike, you'll be you'll be looking the other way, but we're going to be coming with the microphone in front of you, buddy. You yeah, we'll be, that. Now you're so. getting chased down every place yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll right. follow up with you, Maritz. Thanks for stopping by, my man. Thank you. All right. Thank Enjoy. you. Take care, guys. See you, bro. Bye. Well, boys, that was pretty good, huh?
really uh, enjoyed that. He's great. It didn't surprise me at all. You know, in the couple times I've spoken to him, you know, you just know the maturity level is up there. And it's it's interesting what he's talking about with junior players. Yeah, I think that that's prevalent with junior players everywhere is that they mature faster because they do uh, – they're not playing high school football. They're not playing they're, – they're playing a, a – you know, an adult game right away. And so they're with adults time. And I think that they do grow up faster, get a more, um, you know, a tougher mental approach and a little rounder view of things uh, by having those older influences on their life in this competitive arena. Don't you think? Yeah, Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I, I think one word kind of stands out. Uh, with Moritz today, and that's class. You know, just a classy young man, uh, great player. I think he's up to a 780 Fargo, maybe even higher right now. So he's knocking on the door in the upper echelons of this game at 19 years old. Yeah, uh, I think it, in some ca- some ways he might be a little overlooked because of Joshua and the fact that you know they're both from Germany, and Joshua's like the the pinnacle right now. He's the absolute top. But he's he's clipping at his heels. So, uh, you know, I, I really meant what I said the other day when I said Germany could have the top two players in the world coming up in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, he's, he's a great if, talent for sure. I want to bring it with Mike Page and just see, like, kind of what his, what his years look like, you know, in a, in a vacuum. Um, you know, we saw that with, like, uh, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, like, it's like Savannah Easton, for example. You know, she thinks she was like at around a 580, but if you had looked at her, I think previous six months, it was right around like a 630, you know? So, yeah. um, but, you know, what? like one thing for me with that kid is that, and especially with those missed opportunities, it just seemed like maybe it wasn't his time, but I didn't take it like it was, it was dog. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't take yeah. it like he dogged his brains out it just no. or like the pressure seemed like it just got to the better because i've seen that with a lot of players they wear it it's physical you know what i'm yeah. saying i didn't no, i, I just i didn't get that he just vibe missed the shot that he should have made yeah. that's why he referred to it as dog in it um yeah. you know and and you know he it, it just it just happened so i like his attitude about that i, I think that he, he's looking at it the right way and i think you know it's it's you know but I think it's realistic, though, Mike, because there's yeah. a lot of players who will tell themselves that same thing. But I don't think it's necessarily true, you know. Like I'm not, no. I'm I'm not buying. It. They'll say all the right things, but I'm I'm buying it. At the know? top yeah. level, at the top level of the game, the margin for error is so slim. And right. for a player playing Carlo Beato, you know, a mistake here or there is amplified. Uh, you know, they say in pool, one mistake costs you two games usually, right? It costs you the game you made the mistake in, (laughs) and then the next game. But at that top level, it might cost you three or four. And it might change the momentum of the match, which changes the way you're feeling, changes the way they're feeling. And so it can completely uh, change everything. And he did. He, you know, he acknowledged. He made a couple mistakes there. And those mistakes were critical in, in Carlo getting back in the match and winning that match. But even still winning at Hill Hill and Moritz had already beat Carlo. So, you know, it it was a great performance. You start having wins like that, whether you're in on points or not, those are the kind of wins and tournaments and consistency that'll start get you on those world pool master type radars. You know, those are the type of, of wins that'll really get you um, in a different kind of, you're, you're in in a different neighborhood now, you know? 
So you're in a different neighborhood, but you're also in a neighborhood now where he becomes a little bit of the hunted for, you know, all those players who are. Say that again, Mike, because your, your your audio kind of cut out. What was that? I heard. Did, did he's, Did you? you know, he's becoming a little bit of the hunted. Um, oh, in a yeah. Respect where he's not sneaking up on anybody anymore. And those these guys who are in the middle of the pack, you know, they're going to start looking at, you know, the upcoming matchup Maritz with Maritz is something that they can build at, right? Because now he's yeah. he's a big yes. enough name and a strong enough personality. So um, I, I'm, you know, I, I wanted to ask him. I, I never got around to it, but you know how he feels about now go going into these events, being someone that people are looking at, uh, being someone that the top players aren't going to let him sneak up on and some that the lower players are going to go after as a, as yeah. a, you know, a trophy to put on the wall. So, um, you know, he's well, in that funny the, part of the. There's certain things that'll hold true, Mike, right? There's certain things it's here and then it's your defense. We know what that kid's offensive prowess is like, right? We right. know that he can run out with anyone, right? <clears throat> but that defense will sustain and up here will weather you through that storm, you yeah. know? And yeah. and not not a lot of guys are are built for it. I mean, I'm not trying to crown the kid, you know, prematurely here, but I like that kid's, I I, I like that kid's uh, uh, potential, and I'm excited to see what the future looks like because I think he's got he's got like a one talent, and and I would not be surprised to see him like in a semifinal, you know, within the next you know six months. I think. Uh, Mike's point, though, of is, a major, of like a of a major, whatever, whatever Mike considers next, a major. <laughs> this next year is pretty critical to him because if you look back a year ago, there were those you know European professionals, and I'm sure when they saw his name on the bracket, were like, oh, okay, you know, good player, but I can, I got this one, you know. And now they're going to be looking at it as like, oh, you know, this is going to be a tough match. I can, yeah. I, if I beat him, that's going to be a feather in my cap, and right. so. You know, over this next year is a critical time that he needs to continue to push forward and, and keep growing. And I, at 19 years old, I mean, yeah, keep you growing. Have to he, think he he's going to do it. You, you have to. to you think. know, when I was younger, once during the during the interview, I'm like, you don't tell somebody my age when I was younger. All right, I don't want to hear it. I'm not yeah. interested. Uh, I can't. I, I after our, after our earlier conversation, Mike, in private, I can't call you a dinosaur anymore. Mike. So, <laughs> Mike's forever well, known I, I as like the what he said, you know, he likes hanging around with old people. So, you know, John Francisco's fifty. I'm like, please hold my beer. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but you know, the thing that I that you know, he's certainly not a flash, right? Because right. his progression has been so steady. Yeah. It's like yeah. one check mark after the next. U17 world champion, boom. U19 world champion, boom. You know, ninth place last year, International Open, check it off. You know, you get, and now you get into this year and the finishes are higher. So it's just real steady progression, tournament after tournament after tournament. And that's what, uh, you know, that's the type of thing I look at and think, no, this, this, this kid's here for, you know, he's, he's up near the top for the long haul. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's sustainable. That's for sure. You know, and, and you're absolutely right, Mike. And we've seen guys that, you know, don't hit that kind of gear until they're, you know, late twenties, early thirties, yeah. you know, so to be, so, and some guys who don't ever hit it, you know, who we all think they're going to get there, they're going to get there. This is going to be the one. And then it, it, it never comes. So to have, to have this kind of uh, uh, season already, 
John, we see you in there, buddy. You're a little biased, but I like your pick either way. <laughs> yeah, <he's> like, <laughs> hey, Melina, by the way, I'm going to hit that gear when I'm 55. Okay? What's that? I'm, I'm holding on to hope I'm going to hit that gear when I'm 55. Okay? Yeah. I got one more run left in me. See, that's the difference between realistic and unrealistic. Man. This is what we're talking about, you know? Oh, you're such and a And I hater. hate – no, I just – I, I – it's it just it like Mike said. It seems a little different, you know. It's and and yeah. and in a really in a really positive way. So and he seems like he's got a good enough head on his shoulders where he's very aware of even if it were to shift the other way that he's got to go and buckle down. Like to hear he's been, you know, in the lab for six months working on his defensive game. You know, there, right, the sky Mike, the sky's a the limit there. What I got one for you, Mike. Then you know you're looking at the sky and the sky's limit coming up. Uh, a real, and I, I look back a year or so ago, we were having the same conversation about Victor, right? So well, three years I was thinking now, about Victor, uh, you know, during three, our conversation. Two, two years, two years from now, who's ahead? Ah, good question. And what are we? What are we? What's the? What's the? Uh, what's the Just bar? The here? hierarchy. The hierarchy. You know, who's? I mean, if I can give a caveat, I might. I might. <laughs> no caveat. The kid. Yeah. What? That's, you want to? Is that another word for handicap? Yeah. Well, <laughs> look, even Victor said it himself, just as far as his mental game getting the better of him, you know, and that's something that you got to tackle and you got to tackle that shit now and because it is not going to get any easier. This sport is full of heartbreak, full of full of heartbreak, full of letdown, full of of resiliency and and uh, uh, and great stories, whether you're on the receipt at an end of it or or the yeah. the carlo took it right carlo is yep. a killer josh is a killer these are the kind of guys where it doesn't matter where you at and by the way i used to say josh was a bit of a front runner but he shifted over the last few years oh, yeah, where he's he been has. able yeah. he's been able to he's been able to play from behind or ahead right we've seen that transition victor has that kind of talent victor has that world championship pedigree i fully believe that but He's also his own worst enemy at times. And right. I think even he'll agree to that, you know, and he's got to handle that shit where it seems like Moritz just kind of processes things a lot better where it's not going to go and weigh him down. And more importantly, like I've never seen a match with this kid where I'm seeing the body language. Right. That, that, that's that that's exactly why him. I asked it because I see this, you know, we've both seen the same thing. Out of yep. Victor from the talent level and from the yes. head hanging, slumping into chair thing, I don't see Moritz ever doing that. Um, you know, it's amazing to me that at 19, from 17 to 19, you know, he's taken that mental approach to losing and missing uh, that Albin just got over maybe two years ago and he's 30. You know, so so you know, has he gotten over it? Better than he used to be. <laughs> uh, but yeah. so, you know, you just see that's, and that's, that's why I asked the question. Cause I, I just think I look at Moritz at this point and I'm thinking, well, here's a guy here's, who it's going to be really hard to slow that role because he seems to be the complete package right now in terms of uh, his shooting ability, his, his understanding of, of the game, his philosophy Absolutely. of the game and his mental approach and his, and his maturity. Um, you know, he seems to be a little more ahead of of just about anybody that I see who's like under 23. Right. Mm, yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, Fetter's 22, but you know, but he, listen, here's another guy who's also, you know, notorious shrugger or body language. It's, it's, 
you know, it's the guy who's going after number six in, in about a week's time. You know, and, <laughs> yeah, but when you've and, got and, five hundred, you can slouch as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. But but I'm saying, but like the one thing that the one thing that leaves me to be like, listen, I'm not arguing both those kids' talents because they're both got amazing talent and the world of upside. Both both of them, and I don't and I don't want to say that about a lot of people, but it's Victor at least has the awareness to know that it's happening. You know, yeah. So like, he's not, if he's you not in denial. Exactly. That's a big deal, Mike. That's a very big deal because then at least then you know what you have to go and tackle and work on. Because I don't know how many pool players I've seen where like they're never in a bad game. You know, they always got the better end of the of the game. And I'm just like, you're about to get heisted, son. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh but not not a lot of people have that. They don't well look, don't. I so Todd uh, Nevins brings up a good point in the chat talking about the energy wasted on the negativity, right? And you know, I always use soccer analogies. And so one of my kids sees a private coach and the guy's awesome. And he shoots the ball over the goal in a drill. And my kid goes like this. And he's like, don't, don't spend any energy on that. Move on. You know, like when something bad happens, don't put any of your energy into that. You know, and I think we see that in the body language of some of the players that do put a lot of energy into their mistakes, a lot of energy into that negative side. And then we see players like Moritz that appear to have a much more positive outlook, um, you know, yeah. when things are going right and things are going wrong, which is the hard part. So well, listen, yeah. I've seen Djokovic break a racket. I've seen the best players in sports let yeah. out it's, aggression it's a and, and emotion. It's a lot easier to say it from yeah. the rail than it is to do it in the moment. And, you know, here's the deal. All of these guys are like 1% of 1% competitive people, you know. If you ask the majority of these guys, they hate losing more than they love winning. You know, I don't know how many players that I've asked that question to, and they don't even like hesitate. It's like snap call, you know. So they just expect to win. They know what their ceiling is. They know opportunities, and th those are the those are the things that are like in the fabric of champions. You know. You know. So, just I know we're going to wrap up soon, but I want to go yeah. back to the thing he yeah, said about leagues and handicaps in the United States. And we had comments in there while he's saying it about, yeah, but not everybody's in it for to be a pro. And we need that for, you know, to fuel the, the companies that are selling to amateurs and things like that. And I agree with all that. But I think the difference is the top level players, the ones who do aspire for greatness are caught up in all that. Right. They're still caught up in living in, you know, Tennessee and playing in their local tournament and, you know, having to give a handicap race or, you know what I mean? Having to make money to try to get to that tournament in Roanoke. And it, so I think he's got a really good point there that there needs to be a, a, a switch flipped at the point where you say, I want to be elite at this and I want to make it to the top. And your focus has to be not on making money and matching up and all these different things. Your focus has to be on being a professional. Easy, easier said than done, right? You need the money for that. You need the support for that. But I think that's what's missing here in the United States. We don't really have that uh, as much of an opportunity for that, for players to just flip that switch and say, I'm going to say opportunity. There's tournaments going on every weekend across the country. There's plenty of opportunities. No, no, no. People are, people are wired opportunity in that what well, we saw with Nick DeLeon right he took a year and he tried to go to every ranking event that he could and he didn't quite make it to Moscone he almost did right um, but the funds ran out 
And so yeah, now yeah. he's not traveling to event. When I say opportunity, I don't mean that there's not tournaments. I mean that yeah. it costs money to get to them. Yeah. And that's where I've, I've been in arguments, you know, uh, you know, infinitum with, with Europeans about the difference between European pool and American pool, European pool. We learn how to play the right way and we get coached and we go to these, you know, Bundesliga tournaments and we go play the European championship and we get a nice medal and a, and a bouquet of flowers. And, and we go home knowing that we've become better players. And in the U S everybody plays for money. Well, it's, it's a, that's a fine line there because you look, you look at what Fetter did a year ago, right? And what Fetter's doing now, it's not even remotely close with how much further ahead he was financially a year ago than he is now. So, what do you mean, Mike? What do you mean? Uh, how much money did he make last year when he was when he couldn't play in in? in oh, good. Real good. Really good good money. And his expenses were like this tournament entries, travel, all that. Right. This year now, you know, he's so it's it's that it's that dilemma. Um, So I don't fault people in the U.S. for playing that side of of the game because Joey's talking about, you know, you want to be professional. You got to be fresh. I agree. But show me what being a professional means. Show me that it's going to make me a million dollars or a hundred thousand or something like that. Then, yeah, I'll drop everything and do it. But I don't blame players who don't take that route because it's a, uh, you know, it's 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 a sinkhole to a lot for for a lot of players. I mean, they look at a lot of players on this money list. Guys who go to every tournament, travel around the world, do all this stuff, that stuff, and I'm thinking. What are these guys taking home at the end of the day? Well, I think you got to look long game. You do have to look long game for sure. But, you know, if. if Well, you better be looking long game because if not, you're jumping off the bridge. If you're playing the short game. You know, if you're if if you're if if you're fifty, you know, 35, 40, you know, and you're established, you can kind of keep playing this out. If you're 18 or 19, you can fire at it. If you're 30, 35. You're starting to think about okay, what's my what's my pension plan look plan look like at fifty at fifty five? So you know, it's just it's it's a lot easier to just make that um, argument that you've got to you know you've got to want to be a pro and set everything aside, and that's what your drive has to be at. It's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. What's what's the over under on when on when that kid gets in the Moscone Cup with Europe? Man, you could say ten years. You probably wouldn't be. You could off. say never, or you could say <laughs> yeah. in two years. I mean, yeah, it's tough. If you it's, were in the United so States, you'd be on this year. <laughs> yeah, you would be. So you know? it's it's so tough for the European team um, because there's only three automatic spots, and you kind of go into it knowing that not many coaches are going to pick a rookie. So you got to earn your, you got to earn your stripes. You got to earn. Yeah. I think your first shot's got to be earned. And that's, that's, you got to be one of the top three Europeans for a whole year. That's freaking tough to do, boy. Oh, and then the ones that are, that are there every year. You got to have consistency. Kids show consistency. You know, they're not going to age out, you know, for a long time. They're still. Yeah. But, but at, but at some point, Josh is going to be. Jason, Josh is going to be what right. Darren no, yeah. was. Josh, be, is, Josh is going to be out for sure. Yeah, yeah, but it's going to be not going to happen the in the next two or three years. But look, the the cool part about things now is Moritz controls his own destiny. If he gets out there and he starts getting points, 
then he can be on the team, yeah. right? If three years ago we couldn't say that, you know, Moritz could have won a whole bunch of tournaments and not been selected for the team because it was more popularity contest. So, you know, I think he could be on there in three years. Federer's been through heartache. Filler has been through heartache. Kachi's been through years where he didn't get picked, right? The best yeah. players have yeah. all had those years. Kazakis, you name it. Mario, yeah. you name it, right? You can yeah. go down the list of players who were just wanting to hang it up after not getting picked where they felt they were shorter or deserved. Then there's guys who go out there and just earn their way on and say, whether you like it or not, I'm going to be here. Look at Federer. You know, Federer saying, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. My game is here. My game can sustain, you know, and, and it can. Uh I don't know. I I I think if I think he's still maybe a couple of years away. But boy, I tell you what, if he wins that U.S. Open, or if he even gets to like a, the final of the U.S. Open, he's knocking on that door, boys. He's saying hello. I'm here. Yeah. You know, yeah. that would be cool. And I don't, that would be yeah. cool. It like would be. That. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I guess storylines I'd like to see for the U.S. Open. I know we're going to do another show on this tonight, but storylines for the U.S. Open would be Shane winning. Right, that would be a great storyline. Listen, save it for but, tonight, Joe. We got a lot a, going on. A European winning and getting into that five, right? That's what we're uh, all rooting for. You kidding yeah, me? That, that, I want that would be <laughs> that would make for such an interesting December. I mean, this is not a slam at Mark Beesterbash, but I'd love to see him win the tournament. <laughs> Mark's in a decent. Mark, if Mark Mark were to go make another another final, you know, yeah, he's dying on that be, door you know, too. So yeah, so it's um yeah, let's let's get some really. Under the radar guy win the U.S. Open for Europe. If a U.S. guy doesn't win it, I'm all yeah. for it. Mike, are you going to make the show tonight, Mike? I'm putting you on the spot. Depends on whether I get my nap in at seven. <laughs> no. So that's a no. That's going to be a no. All right. We got the U.S. Open draw show coming on tonight. I think uh, I'm trying to think. We got Eddie Cohen coming on in another day or so. Um, Mob. We got Mob Jack Murray with Mob Productions going to be on. Uh I'm trying to think. I'm sure we'll be doing more stuff and then we fly out, I think, Saturday. So it's going to be a busy few days between uh, now and then. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm super excited for all of our shows. So stay tuned tonight. Keep your notifications on, you guys. We appreciate everyone who stopped by and hung out with us for the last hour. So you guys got anything else before I do the outro? Oh, uh, Pinozo, thank you for posting that picture of Melina Mike when I talked about the commentator. Damn, y'all just <laughs> because we had we had like five new Patreons sign up. So I, I couldn't believe it. There's a lot of Patreons that signed up yesterday. Yeah. If you guys yeah. want to get in, they just on want it. to see that face. If so you guys want to show, you got to show it to them, buddy. If you want to get in, Joe on that was being way out of line. I mean, way out of line. <laughs> way out of line. Check out Patreon.com/slash/dognet. Hey, patreon.com slash dogging it. Uh, it. We got some cool exclusive content on there for you guys. A lot of videos. So check it out, guys. See ya. Later, you guys.